How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Morning, Realty Morning, Group. Derek. Uh, and now, here are your hosts, I guess Matt Crane since last time met. Uh, and Derek Biglane. Not a whole lot, just working through life and uh, usual usual stuff. Had an opportunity to go to uh, serve with our youth on Wednesday night and, uh, you know, enjoying the weather and, and working. Yeah, just had a, kind of a normal week, just been working. Uh, had a track meet that I went to last night. My daughter did, as we talked about, the discus and the shot put again. She's still doing it. Uh, actually, ran she the, did say off air she's getting better. Getting better and improving her distance uh, in both. And then she actually, for the first time, ran the 400 last night, and uh, and she did pretty well. So uh, Come good on, track don't meet. Say pretty, she came in third. She came That's in awesome. third. She came in third in the in the uh, MUS Shelby County meet, and so uh, very proud of her for the first time running it. It was it was. We were both uh, so proud of, I guess, or so shocked. We didn't even know she came in third, and we're walking out of the stadium when they announced her name. Well, you didn't think uh, that because she ran in the second heat, which right. means she she won her heat, but her time was third amongst the twelve girls that had run in two separate heats. That's right. So that's one way to do it. So she, yeah, you didn't think it. Uh, so again, it was a good night. So she was really excited about that. Came home and uh, got ready for the show this morning. Now I have to ask you, Derek, as a good dad, did you celebrate and buy her some ice cream? I did not buy her ice cream. We actually went to eat at Blue Agave. Okay. Took her to Blue Agave because she loves Mexican food. I'm not uh, what do you one eat? of the – What do you eat in Mexican food? Well, I mean, you, you can get the fajitas and just get no, no – Yeah, I got, no. I got chicken. I got yeah. basically a chicken fajita with the, with the corn tortilla. It was pretty good. Yeah. That she loves Mexican. I don't typically go to Mexican restaurants, so I took her there, and we, we did a little mini celebration. If Blue Agave would like to be an, a, a, an advertiser, they can email <laughs> us at underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. They can certainly reach out to us. Derek, we are excited. Something uh, show-related that I know people will be excited about. We are in the process of moving our studios. We're in the process of upgrading to a, a special studio that way you'll see more things on our instagram more photos people that interview with us and shows and so forth so very excited about that Derek. but we did have a little bit of a struggle got a couple of gentlemen to paint our studio and um we're convinced it, it, it may have been a local preschool that could have been better well I mean, when you say <laughs> when you say paint that's that's a generous term right <laughs> the, the paint job was uh it was lacking definitely lacking so we'll probably have to kind of polish that up this weekend but we plan on being in the studios sometime next week and just Really looking forward to continuing the podcast there. Yeah, so just to set a, a scene for the, the, the listeners, the ceiling is white. The walls of the studio we're moving into were uh, in a kind of a khaki brownish color. And then the trim was like a, a just a simple oatmeal. Yeah. And uh, I simply asked the gentleman, hey, uh, we need to go full white from ceiling to floor. I remember saying ceiling to floor. So uh, <laughs> Derek walks into, uh, you know, finish up everything and, and, and pay the gentleman uh, he walks into a white ceiling and a cream colored trim and white walls and the lower uh, crown molding or lower trim is still oatmeal as well yeah it was so a little bit confused on how that works and i'm guessing they don't listen to our podcast no it was, uh, it was a two-tone that we have a two-tone look going <laughs> and and i'm i was not i was kind of convinced that they actually painted the ceiling too but right. you said they did not yeah I'll, I'll take you at your word i was just i was just a little dismayed but we will get it done and and uh we're not changing we still have how to barbecue right which we'll get to in just a moment uh as a studio sponsor we're just actually changing the physical location and really looking forward to doing that absolutely gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait to start using 
and pictures and stuff like for our, for our show. Well, Derek, speaking of moving, now's the time to reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch possesses over 64 years of combined real estate experience. They are the number one team for well over a decade in DeSoto County when it comes to residential real estate. They are ranked nationally as a top performing real estate team. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available when you need them. Right now, they are offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. Again, that is a free, no-obligation market analysis for your home. Now is a wonderful time to list your home with Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. You can find Brian and Terry and their team at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch, C-O-U-C-H, Com. As Derek mentioned, we will be moving into a new studio, but the How to Barbecue Right Shop will remain our studio sponsor. The How to Barbecue Right Shop is located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics right here in Hernando. This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. They have rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, and some really cool high-end smokers. If you've ever seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by his shop today. You can call them at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. But the best thing to do is to stop by their shop right past Connection Gymnastics on the left-hand side in Hernando. Well, Derek, uh, each and every first and third Friday, we're going to talk about the Hernando and South Haven Alderman meetings. Give us an update on it. First thing I want to talk about, Matt, tonight is that the City Park uh, received, the Hernando Parks and Recreation, received the Recreational Programming Award of Merit from Sam Pryor, the Mississippi Recreation and Parks Association District 1 representative. They received this award for the movie night at Renaissance Park back last year. Uh, those of y'all remember uh, the parks did a great thing where they kind of set up a drive-in movie uh, at Renaissance Park. And, and for doing that, for putting it on, for getting people to be able to come out during COVID and enjoy a movie, uh, they did receive this award from the state. So I thought it was a, a pretty well-done event, uh, and they, they got recognized for it. So I thought yeah, that was good. that is something. That was a pretty neat event. I was not able to attend. But I heard it was a lot of fun. I heard it was a really neat thing. Again, 2020, a very trying time, definitely for any parks department, trying to create something for people to get out and and do in their city. So congratulations to them. As we mentioned on Tuesday, the uh, high school senior class parade was approved. It will take the same route as last year. So from the ball fields on Robinson Gin, kind of through town, down Commerce, all the way to the high school. Uh, it will end with the fireworks, very similar to it did last year. And they're expecting around 75 or so cars. So, again, make your plans for Wednesday, May 19th. It is going to be on a Wednesday night, May 19th at 730. Uh, so, again, if you have no plans, please come out on Commerce Street or anywhere on 51 or down Oak Grove Road and just really come celebrate the kids as they as they drive through and, and all the seniors. And if you want to, kind of follow them over to the high school and watch a little fireworks show at the end. So I think it's going to be a great night for that. Absolutely. Look, looks like this is maybe becoming a tradition. Uh, last year, Miss Memory Craig, uh, you know, certainly a friend of ours, uh, worked so hard to, to make that happen. And uh, I think it's something she's uh, kind of set a tradition, hopefully for years to come, a really neat way to uh, to let the kids drive by and you just have an opportunity to wave to them and, and tell them congratulations on, on you know, graduation, which is a big deal. Matt, the next thing I want we wanted to talk about, but we're not able to, is Madison Lakes. Madison Lakes starting to become kind of a – a uh, cuss word on this show. <laughs> it, it was tabled again. Uh, they did officially move it to May 4th. 
uh, I will officially report on it. Uh, we probably will mention it just in passing on Tuesdays from now on, and then we will be shocked when they talk about it. And once they talk about it, we actually will cover it on here. But again, we're going to just uh, kind of keep going. It was tabled to May 4th. The next thing, and this is the one I want to spend a little time on. So item number 16 on the agenda was to authorize the, and approve the lowest and best quote for the water improvements loan interest rate. Uh, this is something we have not talked about before, and it, but this is something very important. A lot of candidates that we interviewed over the last two months uh, the, and the mayoral candidates have talked about the infrastructure of the city. And this is something that the city has taken uh, and is basically in the middle of or in, in, the, in the middle of getting approved a improvement and an increase of our water system. What they're trying to do is that there was a loan that was sent out. Uh, there were bids that were received. Uh, there were you know rates that we're getting that we'll talk about in just a moment. So they were looking at to go ahead and approving the lowest and best rate uh, with the best terms from the bank. However, they got into a very lengthy discussion about making sure they understood the timelines, what it was going to be used for, and what we would be getting we being the city, would be getting from this loan. This is what the water improvement loan that the city is, has applied for and will be receiving. I do want to mention, I guess, on the front end that it was tabled to the 18th, and I'll explain why shortly. So what the what's going to be done is this. They're going to upgrade the Jaybird water plant. Of course, this is the one uh, right there at, at Jaybird and, and Bahelia Road. They're going to upgrade that water plant from 1,000 gallons to 2,000 gallons a day. A lot of neighborhoods on the east side, and some of this has to do with the water system that was purchased, and the neighborhoods on the east side have been lacking in some water pressure. They have been lacking in you know a lot of these new subdivisions that are being approved. Obviously not Madison Lakes. Well, the PUD was approved in 05, but not the revisions yet. But like the other ones that were approved all on that side of town, uh, right on right there off of Jaybird, the uh, extensions of you know all the way down Jaybird, out toward get well, all that new growth that's going on out there, that is all served by water systems that are currently not sufficient to you know, basically give them the, the water pressure and the amount of water that they need. And so what this loan is going to do is to update that water plant, basically doubling the size of that water plant or the, or the capacity of that water plant. They're going to add on to that building and they're going to add a larger tank to operate two wells. The Holly Springs Johnson Road water line, uh, the water plant out there, they're going to run a new line, uh, which will actually be will serve the Fieldstone subdivision, which I have in-laws that live in the Fieldstone subdivision. They're going to allow that because the water line there is not large enough to serve, start service all the development out there. They're going to increase that water line, uh, and this will help them get more out of the Lauder Road water plant with that larger line. So they're basically trying to relieve pressure off different water, water plants from this line. The next one is there's going to be some improvements at the I-55 water plant. That water plant, of course, a lot of y'all seen it just off the interstate right there. That one is currently running at 92% capacity. So it's very close to capacity. And again, this is before Madison Lakes. That's obviously, they, they're going to add two aerators to that system as part of this loan, which will help, uh, again, with the efficiency of that and hopefully help to increase some of that uh, capacity. There's currently not enough water capacity for Madison Lakes. This is a big reason we've been talking about it. This is a reason why it's been tabled because they're, they're trying to, to kind of satisfy this water issue before they you know, want to hear kind of what they're looking to do. And the reason that the water capacity is not enough for Madison Lakes is because the Jaybird plant is too small. Now, the Ward 6 Alderman did ask kind of about the 2005 PUD improvements. Back in 2005, was this not taken into consideration? Why wasn't that dealt with back in 05? Of course, nobody... Uh, but the mayor-elect was on the board at that time. And what they were told is, well, they may or may not have looked at it. Of course, nobody really knew. However, the school at the time was not planning on being there, and the school took a lot of that capacity. 
And so that was not figured in. at The school didn't come in. I don't think it was approved to 07. It started being built around 08, 09. So there wasn't a lot of that conversation. And so the school was taking some of that capacity. Then they started discussing, okay, well, now we're getting ready to approve this loan. But the alderman of Ward 4, he said, hey, look, aren't we getting $3.7 million coming up here in June? And, of course, everybody agreed. And he said, we, do, we know there's going to be restrictions. We know it can't be used for roads and bridges. So wouldn't this be something to, to do this? Do we need this loan? Then Joe Frank Lauderdale, who's a city engineer, he said, well, you know, there's 17 subdivisions that need water. We just, you know, and that's, he kind of added up. He said, there's 17 need subdivisions. Need better water. Right, need better need water. Need better water pressure. Yeah, and, and the new subdivisions coming on, like right. the ones that were approved on Bright, off of Bright Road, all right. those, they need water. Uh, and so there's a total of 17 that need some type of improvement to the water. And half will be taken care of with just the upgraded Jaybird, up, you know, the, the Jaybird okay. upgrade, the, yeah. the going from 1,000 to 2,000. So you know, eight or nine of the subdivisions are taken care of just with that improvement. Uh, so then they kind of discussed which is better, the five, seven, or 10-year rate. But they all kept coming back around, hey, look, we don't. We know we're getting 3.7 million. We know it's coming in June. We don't know what the the specifics are, what it can be used for. Let's wait on that. Okay. And so they asked, all right, Joe Frank, will this put us behind if we try to wait another two months to see? You know, he said, well, I have not finished the plans yet. I'm still. I, I can't put it out to bid to you approve the money. But I probably it's gonna probably take me another 30 days to get all the final specifics that I could put out to bid. So they said, perfect, fine. We're going to table this to May 18th. And then on May 18th, we'll see where you are. Hopefully, you've got your numbers finalized. And then we will get at that time. We'll hopefully, we'll have the specifics as to how the 3.7 can be spent. And we'll see if we need the loan at all. Or if we do, can we use some of this money to pay it back if we borrow some of it, that sort of thing. So, again, I know this is kind of a long drawn out the way that it was tabled. But I wanted to make sure everybody's understanding the city, one way or the other, either with cash, with a loan draw, and then a quick payback, or with a 20-year amortization, uh, is going to look to improve the water systems for 17 subdivisions upcoming in the next 12 months. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. That's a really big deal. Would this, did they say any time, like any kind of um, upgrades like this, last time this kind of stuff happened or anything like that? They didn't mention that? No. no. But know, it's been a while. I mean, let's be honest. The oh, it's been a while. Been and again, yeah. they haven't owned the water system for that long. I mean, we, we know this was purchased off the long, last right. bond issue, but it took about two years, two to three years to actually get finalized. Right. It was, it was probably finalized in the last year or two. Uh, of course, COVID, you know, nothing's really going to happen. So, yeah, this is a huge deal. I mean, buying the having a city-owned utility is a huge deal. Sure, uh, that was a smart play to, to own the utility, uh, and now trying to increase the utility. And with all the new subdivisions, we all know what's going on east side of town. Well, you can't build a a beautiful, gorgeous home and spend all this money. I mean, we just talked about with Team Couch, great time to sell a a home and stuff. But, you know, people come down here and they they, they build a beautiful home or they spend all this money and you look up and you you have a trickle coming when you're trying to, you know, wash the dishes. So that makes no sense. Let's, Let's get it done. That sounds great. So, again, I, a lot of our listeners are going to be affected by this. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, a lot of people live on the east side of town, and this is the main sticking point for Madison. We've kept talking, well, it's water. It's water. You know, they wanted to put a water station or a water tower in. Well, this is why. And right. so this is where we are, and so they are working on the water agreement. That's been tabled to the 4th, and then this has been tabled to the 18th, so we'll see how it goes. But, hey, I mean, both are big projects. That sounds really neat. It sounds like the city's working with the Madison Lakes people to kind of come together with some type of a thing, that a, a win-win for everybody. So, again, this is going to affect a lot of our listeners, so uh, that, that, that's pretty neat, and, and look forward to, uh, to hopefully some – you know, two or three years worth of projects to improve the water all around the city. Lakes of Cedar Grove sometimes struggles with our, our water pressure, uh, but that's mainly because you water your, your grass all the time, Big Lane. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah.
Yeah. I do it early in the morning. So I yeah, you do it very it. early in the morning. Not and a lot I'm of people like, yeah. taking showers. Yeah. You, by the time you come back to working out at 530 in the morning, you're watering your grass. Uh, the next thing on the agenda is also dealing with infrastructure. Now, this is not well, I guess it's a, a big deal for a project, but not an, and not as a wide encapsulating deal. The board uh, was looked to authorize the mayor to sign the loan documents for the sewer and the roadway improvements. So this is the AWG improvements. Uh, they had roadway and sewer improvements made to 51 and around the area uh, for the AWG building. Real quick, AWG building, everybody, podcast listeners, the the big warehouse that's on 51, left-hand side, as soon as you come you know, under 69 on 51, and going north, left-hand side, that's AWG, that's building that beautiful new building. And this is an agreement the city had, or actually it was a loan that the city was looking to get from MDA at the Mississippi Development Authority, and this is kind of a, a joint deal that was part of the package to bring AWG to Hernando. The interest rate on the loan will be 3%, has a 20-year amortization, and they had the numbers, they had the figures, the, the board agreed that it did show that there's a, a positive cash flow between the taxes and the payment schedule. So in other words, debt service will be a certain amount per month, you know, several thousand dollars a month to go toward the three, $3.1 million, but the taxes uh, off of the building that would be per year will cover that annual debt service. So every year for the entire 20 years, it's a positive cash flow between the payment that's due and the taxes received. The aldermen were agreement with that and they approved it and then finally uh the only thing i want to say about the, the last part of the meeting uh this meeting was about an hour and 27 minutes the last from basically minute 50 until minute hour and 27 was nothing but appeal for utility adjustments so if you want to see what the minutia of the of an alderman position is watch the last 40 minutes uh, of the alderman meeting dealing with people who are having to ask or to appeal because their water bills were too high. And again, not saying that they were not uh, justified in doing so, but you know that's the tough part of alderman job when people are coming up and saying, my bill doubled, why is this? And trying to have them to agree to pay it, waive it, whatever. And that was the last 40 minutes, so I will not speak really to any of that. Uh, you can watch the video uh, on YouTube uh, if you'd like to. Yeah, simply go to YouTube and you type in Hernando, uh, well, City of Hernando Government, Hernando, Mississippi Government. You'll see the YouTube and you'll see the meeting uh, from this past Tuesday. And like Derek said, from 50 minutes on, uh, you can learn all you want to about water bills in the City of Hernando. So good job on that, Derek. Look forward to that. There, there may meetings to come up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to go north, as we typically do, and we're going to talk about the South Haven Board of Aldermen. Uh, Derek, the first thing we have down to talk about is a pretty neat thing. The word audit has been all around the city of Hernando for the last six to eight weeks. Tell us a little bit of something about the city of South Haven audit 2020. Well, Matt, the city of South Haven has completed their audit for 2020. I guess the person representative of the accounting firm that did the audit came, said that they found no material deficiencies. They gave an unqualified opinion that the South Haven uh, numbers look good, and uh, it was approved by the Board of Aldermen. Uh, just unqualified opinion. That's basically been my opinion for 42 years. Unqualified. <laughs> it's an unqualified opinion. But so the city of South Haven is done with their 2020 audit. Does not have to be done until the summer. That's and right. That, yeah, due by June 30th, and they had it done in April. They're right. We reported last fall that the city of South Haven had begun to get awards for their books. That's right. And their books being done a certain way, up to a certain standard. You know, kind of goes right along with that. It sounds like they had it. They had it in order. Had the numbers ready, and so they, the attorney has come in, and they have now have an official audit that can be sent out and, and requested uh, by the public. Requested by the public, so they kind of balance that checkbook pretty quick. Well, the next topic we're going to talk about, or they talked about, Derek, when it comes to balancing the checkbook, definitely helps. A little bit of reserve cash the city of South Haven has. Tell us how much. So, in, leading from that, the mayor's when he followed up in his mayor's report uh, a little later on in the meeting, he talked about how you know now that the audit is done, that the city has a reserve of nine and a half million dollars. 
Now, the city had about 8.1 in reserve, and they also had uh, they sold some land uh, for about a million four. And so they have a total reserve now of $9,500,000. The require, what they'd like to see is about a 10% reserve, and that would put them around a $6.2 million figure. They've got $3.3 million more in reserve than what they even wanted to have. So again, kind of put that for a rainy day. Maybe a special project comes up. They have it, you know, in the bank, just wait, you know, ready to go. But I think they're pretty good when you have nine and a half million dollars just kind of sitting there in reserve. So you go from audits. You go then you talk about reserve cash. Well, a particular person has been uh, assisting the city of South Haven for the last twenty five years, and Mayor Musselwhite honored him the other night. Mentioned that he is retiring. Derek, you know the gentleman personally. Please tell us about him. So Chris Wilson, uh, he's a chief administrative officer, the CAO of South Haven. Basically, he's like a city manager. Now, this is something that larger cities have. Hernando does not have a city manager, but South Haven does. And so he's been running, been the, the South Haven city manager for Matt since 1997, since the start of fiscal year 97. So 25 years. Uh, he actually, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to say, I mean, Chris Wilson's probably right around 50, just maybe a little bit older than I am, a couple years older than I am. And when they kept saying, well, this position's been cleared and they, they voted to keep the position open, they're not currently looking to fill it. And so I was, you know, watching it. You're like, oh, well, what happened to him? Or, you know, did he must have found a job in the private sector? No, man, he was able to retire. <laughs> he got 25 years with the state. And so he's now able to step aside. Uh, his, May 1st, it will be his last, or I guess is the start uh, when he will no longer be working there. And I just say, man, look, if you're around 50 years old and can retire, congratulations to you. Uh, he can now look to do basically whatever he wants to do and still receive the state pension. Um, so congratulations to Chris. Thank you for all the hard work. He's seen a lot of growth. I mean, think about it. For 97 to 2021, how much growth he has seen and overseen uh, in the city of South Haven. So just congratulations on your retirement and just thank you. I think from all this, you know, we don't live there, but I mean, I think all the citizens of South Haven would say thank you for a job well done. We had joked a little bit earlier, we may uh, reach out to Chris and see about coming on the podcast to talk about that very thing. There's nobody that's seen more growth and been been more a part of just the boom of DeSoto County than Chris Wilson running South Haven for the last 25 years. I say running, not the mayor, but he's the administrator. So right. good job, Chris, and uh, good luck in, in retirement, whatever that is, uh, you know, at 50 years old or however he might. <laughs> might be he's got quite a bit of life ahead of him something else Derek that we uh, the last thing they talked about uh, from a planning department standpoint the Lander Center if you picture the Lander Center in 55 there's a road right there called Pepper Chase between Lander Center and 55 of course Pepper Chase wraps up in there with the Taco Bell and Renaissance Bank and over towards the RV Park and so forth but Pepper Chase is going to go a little bit further. Tell us about that. As you said, Matt, it kind of winds. So it winds around the Lander Center, you know, where the new, I guess, visitor's center is right yep. there. Well, that road, so when it winds past there, it kind of comes around. That still is Pepper Chase. It dead ends right now where basically the Mid-South Fair is held. Well, now they're going to take it from that ending spot and extend it 8,700 feet south. So all the way through the, the property where the Mid-South Fair is, which is actually owned by the DeSoto Convention and Visitor Center, which... Uh, also owns the Lander Center. So that property is owned by, by the, the county uh, or the Minnesota Convention and Visitor Center. It's going to go, I guess, the length of that whole property plus extend basically almost to where that new South Haven sign is for the city limits. So again, 8,700 square feet they're looking to add. They had to do a, a MOU uh, with the Convention and Business, uh, the Convention and Visitors Bureau to get the okay to go across their property to do that. That's what it was. They did, they did approve it. So, again, you're going to be looking at Pepper Chase been extended south, uh, parallel with 55, basically all, uh, almost all the way to where that new sign is. 
Speaking of aldermen, we will be having our interviews with Ryan Diffie and Ben Piper, the gentleman running for the alderman seat at War- of Ward 6. Those interviews will be coming up shortly, so please stick around for that coming up in just a little while. Derek, I continue to joke around when, the, when all the elections are over, these aldermen, these candidates may be looking for a vacation. And if they're wanting help with that vacation, now's the time to reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher with Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, National Parks, Alaska, cruises, anything you're looking to do, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here under the water tower. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach them at 469-6304. That's 469-6304. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures and Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as a digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and call them at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, auto, home, or business. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 429-5213, that's 429-5213, or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. North Point Christian School is honored to have just been voted DeSoto's best middle school and DeSoto's best high school by the readers of the DeSoto Times Tribune. Want to learn more about DeSoto County's largest, oldest, and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school that serves students in grades PK-12? through The school continues to see great interest and excellent attendance at their open house events. Due to demand, we have added an additional Preview the Point event for prospective families on Monday, April 26th at 6 p.m. That's this Monday, April 26th at 6 p.m. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety as well as their unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting their Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. Come find out why North Point is best. Well, there each Friday, we turn our attention to DeSoto County shout-outs, 
positive things going on in Hernando and DeSoto County. We've got a couple. DeSoto Arts Council, tomorrow, DeSoto Arts Council, 9 to 3 on the historic Hernando Square, will be doing what? They'll be having their Hernando Arts Festival and really hope that y'all can come out. It is from 9 to 3, 9 to 3 on the square. Now, it is supposed to rain, I think, overnight tonight. It will be, um, and then I think kind of lasting into the early Saturday morning, but don't let that keep you uh, from coming. Uh, starting at 9 a.m. on the square, they're going to have uh, multiple vendors. Kind of, if, if those of y'all that are familiar with the Red Door Market uh, in December that they have at the same time kind of as the Christmas open house, this is kind of a Red Door, Mar- Red Door Market in April. I want you to come out and just, again, uh, support the local artist. Uh, they're going to have paintings and pottery and uh, all kind of different artwork out there that you can that you can purchase, that you can see. They're also going to be having a lot of things for the children uh they're going to be having four or five uh, arts and crafts that uh will be out there and so the with the kids that you can bring your kids out there while you look around they can be there you know putting together these uh art projects and the, the key thing is matt they're using recyclable products to make these art projects because it is earth weekend uh yesterday uh thursday was our earth day and so this is kind of the earth weekend so they're using that theme to kind of carry along so hopefully everybody can come out to the square tomorrow from 9 to 3 to, uh, to celebrate and to support the DeSoto Arts Council. Our next shout-out, Derek, Hernando High School Theater Program is putting on The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid will run. They started last night. Opening uh, show was last night. Uh, my daughter is a part of it and said, hey, it is a wonderful show for kids. Uh, so if you have a kid uh, that likes The Little Mermaid, enjoys the Disney movies, it's a wonderful play for you to get out. Yesterday through Sunday, they will have matinee shows on Saturday and Sunday. Then 7 o'clock shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So definitely want to get out to the Hernando High School Theater Department presentation of A Little Mermaid right there at the H-Pack. $10 for adults, $5 for students. Again, $10 for adults, $5 for students. Please get out and support these young people. Derek, we talk all the time about the you know coronavirus and what COVID did last year. Kids were sitting at home last year at this time. Didn't have a play. Not anymore. These kids are going through with it. Thank you so much to uh, the, the administrators and the, and the people for working hard on that. Thursday through Sunday, Hernando High School presentation of The Little Mermaid. Well, Derek, it seems like a little bit of a shout-out, but it's not. I want to welcome our latest advertiser, the Hernando Farmer's Market. Hernando Farmer's Market brings together the best of local food, artistry, and the agricultural traditions of the Mid-South. It's a place to shop, gather, but more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh, local experience. The Farmer's Market will begin Saturday, May 1st, and will run all the way through October. The last Saturday of each month will consist of children's games, children's activities. There will be live music throughout the summer. There's a number of different things coming new to the Hernando Farmer's Market. If you'd like more information, reach out to Gia Matheny, the Community Development Director at 662-449-9092. That's 662-449-9092 to learn more about the Hernando Farmer's Market. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, 
or reach them on their website at greenkingspray.com. They're my lawn service. They should be your lawn service. And remember, if you want it green, call the king. If you're looking for someone to mow your lawn this spring and summer, now is the perfect time to reach out to Richard and his team at Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. It is a perfect time to reach out to Richard for weekly, bi-weekly, monthly mowing of your lawn, mowing of your different uh, acres of land. It is a perfect time to reach out to Richard. Give him a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. So if you're tuning in for the interview, uh, we've got those coming up after sports. Uh, we'll have both Ben Piper and Ryan Diffie in that order, Ben Piper and then Ryan Diffie. The interviews will be coming up just after the sports section. But before we get to those interviews, we want to talk about uh, signings, softball, and baseball. Matt, first we'll start with the signings this week. We did have one signing. We want to congratulations to the Lewisburg swim team member Tucker Potts on his signing to swim for Lake Forest College. Lake Forest is a private college in Lake Forest, Illinois, Founded in 1857, about 30 miles north of Chicago and half a mile to Lake Michigan. It has about 1,600 students, and it sounds like a beautiful school. And, just want to, and we just want to say congratulations again to Tucker for the opportunity to attend college and to be able to swim. Absolutely. Uh, my daughter's on the Hernando swim team. Lewisburg's got a good swim program. So congratulations to him for that. And, and again, getting this college paid for, uh, no matter how you do it. <laughs> well, oh, nice. legally, legally, you know, <laughs> you know right, legally, legally, definitely want to do uh, legally stuff, but congratulations to him. Well, look, speaking of success, let's turn our attention to the Hernando Lady Tigers. The Hernando Lady Tigers, your district champs. Tell us a little bit about the games this week, Derek. So the Lady Tigers played two games uh, this week. The first one was on Tuesday night. Uh, on Tuesday, the Lady Tigers defeated St. Benedict 10 to nothing in six innings. Julia Shaw went the distance in the circle to pitch the complete game shutout. Jacqueline Carter and Avery Wolf each had two RBIs, and Riley Eister helped by uh, adding three stolen bases. The, at that time, the Lady Tigers uh, moved their record to 26-1 and and had won 22 in a row. That was again until Matt last night. Last night, the Lady Tigers defeated Oxford 10 to nothing. Uh, this was senior night. Hopefully, a lot of y'all were able to go out and see and kind of watch and uh, you know kind of cheer them on. I guess one last regular season game. But the girls softball won ten to nothing. Jacqueline Carter had a two run homer. That was basically what put them at the run limit. Uh, the two run homer gave it the that was a, the ninth and the tenth run. So kind of a walk off since she walked it off to, for the mercy rule. But uh, you know she's a senior on the team. Able to hit that two run homer to end the last regular season game of her high school career. Just a fantastic way to end it. On senior night, absolutely. And Jacqueline Carter was here last Friday. Tons and tons of great response there from uh, sitting down with, with two of the seniors. Other young lady was a junior. But uh, congratulations, Jacqueline. Again, friend of the podcast for what you did last night, walking off against the Oxford Chargers. And, you know, I'm going to be as nice as I can be. Anytime you have an opportunity to beat Oxford, that's not a bad thing. Oh, no. Never, <laughs> never. So and we'll talk about, again, we're going to cover the playoff scenarios at the end of this recap. So stick around in just a moment. We'll go over those and what the uh, Lady Tigers have in store for the playoffs. Next, Lewis. The Lady Patriots lost their final regular season game on Tuesday with, uh, to South Panola. They finished the regular seasons and will start the playoffs tonight. Uh, again, we'll cover those matchups, uh, matchups here in just a second. Next, DeSoto Central. Also on Tuesday night, 
Uh, they had already wrapped up the district championship, so the Lady Jaguars went outside of district and defeated the South Haven Lady Chargers 14-2. Seniors Hannah Randall and Brooklyn Farmer led the way on senior night. The Lady Jaguars will get a first run by and will start the playoffs on Monday, April 26th on the road, which again, coming up. And then finally, the North Point uh, Lady Trojans, they played two games so far this week. On Monday, they went outside of conference and defeated Southwind 10 to nothing on a no-hitter pitched by Kennedy Brown. On offense, Natalie Shaw was 4 for 4 with a triple, two doubles, and two RBIs. Maddie Walters went 3 for 4 with two RBIs. And then on Tuesday, they had a conference matchup with Harding and won 16 to 1. Meredith Anthony got the win in the circle for the Lady Trojans. Libby Sowell led the team on offense, going three for four with four RBIs, including two homers and a triple. Maddie, Walter, Maddie Walters and Meredith Anthony also had homers. North Point improved to 12 and four overall and six and zero in district. And the playoffs for North Point do not start until next week, so we'll cover them on Tuesday. Kind of what their scenario is on Tuesday. Man, all the softball teams that we cover that we've you know started to narrow it down on, really playing some good softball. Wouldn't surprise me if we might have some state championships. We'll see. Well, I'd love to see it, especially. But even like the North half finals, knowing that you'll have one team going state. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we've got a great chance for that. Yeah, uh, congratulations to you young ladies for the hard work that you put in all season long and uh, keep up the great work. We can't work to wait to watch the playoffs. All right, now let's talk about the scenario. So uh, looking at the softball players that will start off tonight with the playing game. So, Matt, I thought, you know, kind of doing some research on this, the, the tonight and tomorrow, so the Friday-Saturday games, it is best two out of three. They're not called first round. They're called play-in games. The first round actually does not start until the teams that receive bye starts playing. Sure. So these are the play-in games on Friday and Saturday, best of three format. And then the winners will advance to play the official first round on Monday. So here are the teams in the 6A North. We're only going to be talking the north side because obviously we don't have any teams in the south side. 6A North, teams getting byes. Hernando, DeSoto Central, South Haven, only because the team they were supposed to play had COVID issues. South Panola and Germantown. So, but really, it was Hernando, DeSoto Central, South Panola, and Germantown got the buys. So, here are your matchups for the playing games Clinton versus Lewisburg, Oxford versus Startville, and then Tupelo versus Madison Central. Hernando will play the winner of the Tupelo Madison Central game starting on Monday, April 26th. DeSoto Central will play the winner of the Oxford Startville game starting on Monday, excuse me, Startville series starting on Monday. With the COVID forfeit, South Haven has already advanced. They will start by playing Germantown on Monday. And then if Lewisburg wins, now Lewisburg is the only, I guess, the Soto County school that's having to play in the playing game since South Haven got the, the advancement. If Lewisburg wins, they would play South Panola on Monday. So that's your matchups. Looking at the first round. So three of the, the Soto County teams have already advanced and then waiting on the playing games. And Lewisburg has to play in the playing games and will face South Panola if they win. Derek, just a quick update. Hernando Lady Tigers will be at home next Tuesday, April 27th. That's right. Next uh, Tuesday will be a home game. Let's absolutely, if you can hear my voice, if you can hear the UTW podcast, next Tuesday, win or lose on Monday. Obviously, if they lose on Monday, they've got to win both games on that Tuesday night. If they, you know, They may not have to play two games, but that's you know, best two out of three. Tuesday, April 27th, the Hernando Lady Tigers will be there. Let's help make that a standing room only crowd. That's Tuesday. That one, of course, we'll remind you on our Tuesday morning podcast. Exactly. We definitely will. But that, that's you're all right, Matt. The All the play-in winners host game one. 
So everybody that's a play-in, so all the ones that received by will have to go on road on the road Monday, but they do receive games two and three if necessary at home the next night. So that's that's how the first round will work for all the softball matchups. Yeah, Tuesday, April twenty seventh. Make plans to go see the Hernando Lady Tigers, the number one team in the state of Mississippi, right there under the lights next Tuesday. Now switching to baseball. Baseball will again same thing. We're going to uh, recap the games that happened this week and then set you uh, the baseball playoffs at least for the north half six day have already been determined and we'll mention that to you right here at the uh, end of the baseball recap. So starting off under the water tower Hernando on Monday. Hernando had to finish up a final game with South Haven after game three of their series had rained out earlier in the year. To d- they had to do this to determine playoff seating. Hernando had already won the series by winning the first two games, but in the final game, South Haven gets the victory this past Monday night, 3-2. Basically, Hernando still won the series, but it was 2-1. They did not get the sweep. On Tuesday, they played Lewisburg and lost 10-0 in five innings. So most of the playoff seating for baseball uh, is now known, and we'll cover that again, as I said, at the end of recapping the games. Next, Lewisburg. Behind strong pitching by Brady Tigert and a home run by Braden Sanders, the Patriots defeated Hernando 10-0, as mentioned, Tiger is now 4-0 in the year. Lewisburg is the number one seed from their district, and play, they will play Center Hill in a non-conference game tonight. DeSoto Central. DeSoto Central played a county, but not yet in-conference rival on Tuesday, and lost to Center Hill, Matt. DeSoto Central not, doesn't have the momentum entering the playoffs. They lost to Center Hill 7-6. It was a big win for the Mustangs, and not the outcome the Jaguars wanted to see as they're winding down the regular season. And then finally, North Point. The Trojans played district foe St. George's in their home-and-home matchup on Monday and Tuesday night. In the first game, North Point traveled to Carville and won 9-1 behind strong pitching by Owen Staples and hot bats by Anthony Zarlingo, who went 2-for-3 with a homer and three RBIs, Connor McNatt, who was 2-for-4 with a double and three RBIs, and James Smith, who had a double and three RBIs. On Tuesday, the Griffins traveled down to South Haven, and again, the Trojans won 17-0 behind a two-hit shutout from James Smith. Hudson Brown was 3-for-3 with two home runs and five RBIs. Connor McNatt was 2-for-4 with two RBIs. Owen Staples was 3-for-4 with two RBIs. And Jay Ferguson was 2-for-3 with three RBIs. The Trojans are now 19-3, 8-0 in district, and look to play a non-conference game this weekend before facing their last district matchup on Monday, Tuesday next week versus Harding. And those playoffs for the, for the private schools in Tennessee are going to be a week away. They, they start their last regular se- season game is May 1st. So they'll start, yeah, the, the week after, so the week of May, what, 3rd or 4th, whatever that week is. That's when their playoffs start. Now turning to the 6A North uh, playoffs for public schools in DeSoto County. Again, these are set. The South, if you go look it up right now, as of the last time I looked, which was last night, they had not been set yet. There were still some games to determining that, either late Thursday or today. So the baseball playoffs for this North 6A all these games start next Thursday, April 29th, in our best of three series. Now, unlike softball, they don't play it on two days. Gonna, it's going to be Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday if necessary. The first round buys for the schools involved in the North Half 6A. Lewisburg has a buy. Madison Central has a buy. Oxford has a buy. And Germantown has a buy. So in the, in the first round, Hernando versus Starkville. Uh, that will be starting in Starkville next Thursday. DeSoto Central versus Clinton. South Haven versus South Panola, and Tupelo versus Warren Central. So Lewisburg will play the Hernando Starkville winner. Madison Central will play the South Haven South Panola winner. Oxford will play the Tupelo Warren Central winner. 
and then Germantown will get the DeSoto Central Clinton winner. So again, just over this next, you know, Matt, seven days, really seven to eight days, uh, we're going to find out a lot about these teams. I'm hoping to see, you know, I'm hoping that all four schools, we do have four schools represented in, in softball and in baseball. Right. I hope all four advance. I'd love to see them in the next round. Oh, absolutely, Derek. And like we talked about, the next Tuesday with the softball being definitely at home, next Friday night, Hernando High School Baseball, let's pack the stadium. Hernando High School Baseball playing in the playoffs, trying to fight to survive or maybe even take that series right there. Next Friday night, we'll continue to uh, tell you over the next couple of shows, but next Friday night, that game's already set. They're going to be playing Startville at home next Friday. Get out there and support the uh, Hernando Tigers right here under the water tower. Well, Derek, thanks for researching all that stuff, the softball and baseball scores. We really appreciate that. Again, we continue to say it. A lot of kids across the country aren't playing baseball. Young people be appreciative, definitely, for the administrators, the coaches working so hard to have high school baseball and high school softball in the state of Mississippi. Well, Derek, speaking of competition, we come now to our interviews for the Alderman position of Ward 6. Ben Piper and Ryan Diffie. Ben Piper's interview will simply go first because he was able to come in and interview with us before Ryan could. So Ben Piper will lead us off. Again, these gentlemen are vying for the seat of Alderman for Ward 6. If you live in Ward 6, this is definitely the interview you want to listen to. We appreciate you working with us and listening to the podcast all the way through to get here. And now we're going to go to Ben Piper's interview now. We want to welcome Ben Piper back to the UTW podcast. Good morning, Ben. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me in again today. Uh, we just want to remind everybody, the former interview, you know, this is the second round uh, of the Ward 2 interviews. Uh, the former interview can be found uh, on the March 17th podcast. If you want to go back and listen to the March 17th podcast to kind of catch you up. For those that did not hear the first round of interviews, just kind of talk to the listeners about what brought you to Hernando and what you currently do. My wife and I met at the University of Mississippi. She is a longtime DeSoto County, a lifelong DeSoto County, and we had family that lived in Hernando. We wanted to come back to this area just because it was just a, such a safe and stable community uh, with great schools that we wanted to uh, start and raise a family here, uh, and uh, that was really our, our motivation. We, we got jobs in the area and wanted to, to get back here just as soon as we were done with school and were able to gain employment here. Uh, you know, certainly is a, a fantastic place to live and to, and to have a family here. And so what do you currently do? Uh, and so currently what, what I do, I work for a company that is in industrial supply sales uh, and also do some, some consulting with them as well. Uh, I go into businesses and certainly we have a number of products that we sell, but more than that, we try to look for operational efficiencies uh, within these companies and we try to do as much as we can with their budgets to, to make sure that their employees are, one, they're safe, uh, they, they leave work in the same shape as they arrived uh, that morning, uh, but additionally that they uh, are able to have ergonomic safety. Um, you're, you're, you're looking for things that uh, can make them more efficient on a daily basis uh, and that they get everything they possibly can out of their budget on a day-to-day basis. So you mentioned a couple of times, use the word efficiency. So that's kind of something you think that you could bring to the table as alderman. It's kind of looking over the city's books uh, and kind of seeing the city's processes and helping them more efficient. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And a big thing, when we talk about the private sector and the and the public sector, I know there's been a lot of talk about running government like a business. Uh, and what I mean by that is that we have to measure everything that we're doing. I think there's some departments that do that really well already, uh, but it has to be across every department. So let's really look at 
uh, let's measure everything and figure out what direction are we going in? Are we, are we up? Are we down? Are things getting better? Are they getting worse? Because a lot of times you really don't know. Uh, things seem to be stagnant at times. If things are stagnant, then they're probably getting worse, most likely. Uh, so what we have to do is we have to figure out where we are currently. Let's establish a baseline and then move things forward. Let's create actionable items within every department to, to move things forward. You know, this is, again, the only uh, race that had a runoff. What were your thoughts when you found out there was going to be a runoff? Well, I was incredibly humbled to be the leading vote getter out of these three candidates. It is really a, uh, it's really a blessing to have so many people get behind you um, and, and to be the, the leading vote getter. I mean, that, is, that was the number one thing that I, that I felt. Uh, the secondly, I was uh, getting out a calculator and making sure, double checking the math for sure. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, certainly we were, we were excited to continue to campaign. We, you know, my family and I, we enjoy campaigning. Uh, believe it or not, my kids on um, some afternoons, they'll, they'll say, hey, are we going to go knock doors today? And they're really excited about it, you know, and they, they love meeting new people. And it's probably most, most of the time because people give them candy as they go door to door. So they're, they're kind of getting Halloween every day uh, as we go out and knock on doors. But we certainly appreciate all those folks out there that have done that for us. Uh, but our, our kids have enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it. We, we enjoy the campaigning process. So how has the last two weeks been knowing uh, that all the other races are over and that you're still in the you know, middle, kind of the heat of the race? You know, how has that been? Well, there's a lot of attention on it, I think, from uh, people that really, really care about, uh, you know, our campaign. Uh, and there's a lot of people who have, you know, sent those great notes of encouragement. We've gotten a lot of congratulatory notes. And, and we've just followed up with those people to say, you know, hey, we're, we've done great so far, but the race isn't over just yet. Let's finish the race. Let's, let's get it done and, and, and move things forward the next four years for the future of Hernando. And we've just really hammered that point home with people that, that have, uh, have supported us. Uh, we've been blessed to have so many su people support us, and we've been very excited about the prospect of representing the people of Ward 6 the next four years. All right. So based on the results, you know, the other elections you saw, kind of who was elected, some of them were elected by wide margins, uh, other than were closer, uh, especially ones that had, you know, had the, the war three that had the three candidates. But I mean, you know, all of them were, I think, over 55 percent or more. So there wasn't really any, you know, 51, 49s uh, up to this point. So, you know, based on the results of those elections, what do you think the citizens of Hernando and especially in your ward are wanting to see from the city? First off, I think that people really want to see a few things move forward in terms of infrastructure, uh, for sure. I think that that's one area where people don't feel like expectations are being met. You know, traffic congestion. There's some of those issues I think that are that are definitely big issues. The animal shelter I know has been brought up as a uh, an issue for some folks as well to to just get that project started and completed as quickly as possible. You know, additionally, parks and recreation, I think there are people, especially in, in, in our phase of life where they, where they have kids that are very involved in, in parks and recreation, they want to see that ball move forward a little bit more and, and, and see some improvements there, whether it's to the facilities or just kind of the general operations uh, as well. So I would say those are the top three items that, that people are wanting to see. But mo more than anything, they want to see a uh, unity within the board and, and people that can work uh, together. Um, and, and really have a, uh, a cohesive message uh, going forward that, that Hernando is a great place to live, work, and play. Let's have a, uh, a local economy here where we're able to create jobs and people can, can live here and they can work here. We can uh, bring in new businesses and we can continue to, to grow in a responsible and conservative way. You know, what are the results, you know, 
the results, we, we all have a new mayor. We know that now. Uh, you know, what do you feel if you were elected to the board? How do you feel, you know, about, you know, working? Of course, it would be a new mayor for you either way, but knowing that the city has elected a new mayor and the direction they want to go, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on the, uh, the new mayor uh, coming in, in June, uh, July 1st? I certainly had a relationship with, with both of the mayoral candidates and knew, and knew both of them for several years. You know, they, they're both great men who are willing to serve this city. I think I could work with either one of them, and, and I think I can absolutely work with uh, Mayor-elect Johnson uh, moving forward. I think the really important thing to consider there is that you have to elect people that uh, are willing to use the word compromise and it not be a, a dirty word. A lot of times in politics, compromise, you know, no, you need to dig your heels in, you need to stand your ground. But sometimes you do have to stand your ground. There are some things that you absolutely, uh, you know, don't believe in. Uh, you know, one thing, for example, I think that we need to look at a potential moratorium for single-use apartments. That's one thing that I would want to stand my ground on, potentially. Uh, if that was something that was introduced, I think we have those, those residential opportunities right now. But we don't necessarily need more of them uh, in the next four years. So I think that's something that I would like to consider and, and bring before the, the newly elected board. You know, let's put a moratorium on that. For right now, we're in, we're in good shape. You know, maybe sometime in the future we can look at it. But let's let's put that into place. And I think people have have mentioned that as we go door to door that hey, you know, things are growing and it seems like things are are, are, are rapidly growing in certain segments. How do we control that? We, we can we can do certain things on the board. There's only there's limits to how much the board and the city can potentially do to slow down growth and control growth. Mm -hmm. So we have to grow strategically over the next four years. And that's really important. And I think that, uh, you know, we have a board and, and a mayor elect who can who can work together to accomplish that. You know, and going the door to door over the last 75 plus days, and you may have just mentioned it, but I uh, wanted to make sure that I phrase it right so you can put the answer out there that you want. What is the one question or issue that keeps coming up over and over again from the residents that you hear? And it's all kind of tied together. It's it's a mixture of infrastructure, growth, traffic, all of those things kind of tied together. And I think uh, the reason why is that you have people who have lived here for 20 years. And 20 years ago, the, the traffic is very different than what you see today, right? You also have people who have moved here more recently, and they may not know a lot of these back roads that some of us know that have, that have lived here a little bit longer. They know a few more ways to get around town, right? Uh, so I think that that has been... Uh, an issue for folks from the infrastructure standpoint you're looking at you know whether it's water outages there's uh, businesses that are trying to locate here and they need water system improvements uh, there's people who have moved here and they still don't have sewer extended to them because they live in uh, the annex parts of the city that were annexed 12 years ago but they still don't have sewer out there there are infrastructure issues abounding there where we have to have some kind of capital improvement over the over the next four years to extend sewer to those people improve our water system it's it's a lot of, there's a lot of money involved there for sure. There's a lot of responsibility on the city's part as well, though. You have a legal obligation and responsibility to take care of those people when you annex them in, and we've, we've got to meet that expectation one way or another. We've got to do our best to make that happen. So win or lose, what will you take away from the experience of running for the Ward 6 seat? Well, I would just say that there's so many great people that live in the city of Hernando, and there are people who really want to see what's best for this city. They just see different ways of making that happen. And what we, what the challenge that the leadership of the city has is that you have to take in all those ideas, take in all that feedback, take in all that advice, and find the best way forward. Uh, you have to have a clear vision. I feel like I have a clear vision for how we move forward. When you have a clear vision, you just have to go for it a lot of times. You can't just continue to kick the can down the road and keep taking more advice and feedback. You've got to start taking steps. And I'm ready to take those steps. I'm ready to, to move Hernando in a direction that has a clear vision 
of having strategic growth, of having a safe and stable community where we invest in our public safety, we invest in our infrastructure first, and then we move on to the other priorities that we have after that. So finally, and this is kind of what we did on the uh, interview that we did last time, just kind of summarized what you want the voters in Ward 6 to know about how you would represent them uh, if you were elected alderman. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say that I will be representative of our ward. Uh, That is the most important thing. I will take your issues to heart. Uh, I will certainly... uh, Use the good Lord as my guidance. That is one thing I will be. I will pray on decisions for sure to to make sure I get that guidance uh, as we make decisions doing the business for this uh, city. I want to take the issues that you guys have brought up to me as we go door to door and we hear from people and and say, listen, this is what I'm hearing uh, out of my ward. Um, I certainly want to to kind of take on something that that I've seen before. An alderman is the advisory committee. I'd like to form one of those and have some leaders within Ward 6, whether it's people that are involved with their homeowners association or volunteer groups, charity groups, whatever it may be, people that really have a a heartbeat for the area and know what people are saying, bring them on to an advisory committee with me and have have meetings, you know, three or four times a year and say, hey, listen, this is what the city's working on. What are you hearing out there? Can you uh, can you disseminate this information to people? Can you communicate this information to people that, yes, we're, we've heard this problem and we're working on it? Because people don't necessarily have time to come to City Hall at six o'clock and sit through a lot of these meetings. They, uh, they, they may have time to listen to the great UTW podcast and, and, and get up to date Appreciate on that. things. Yeah, absolutely. Good plug. Uh, but they may have time to, to listen to uh, the podcast about what's going on. But when you're living in a problem, I think this is one of the big things. When you're living with a problem or in a problem in our city, uh, your alderman has to advocate for you. But what we also have to do is we have to create uh, we have to create committees that are uh, geared towards the different departments within the city, whether it's infrastructure, it's transportation, budget, finance, whatever it may be. Create those committees, put a couple aldermen on them that feel really passionate about those issues. And as these uh, problems uh, crop up, you have more aldermen advocating for you at that point. You don't have one alderman trying to tell six other ones, "Hey, listen, this is a really big deal. We need to get, we need to fix this for these people." No, let's you have have three aldermen that intimately know these issues that know, "Hey, this ditch is a really big problem. This drainage issue is a really big problem. This road has a ton of issues on it. We've got to come in and overlay it." And when that happens, I think you're going to see things move forward more quickly. Things are going to improve for the city. But ultimately, what I want to say is that I'm there to build bridges with people. I'm there to build consensus. As the Ward Six Alderman, I'm not there to, to you know to stir the pot or to try to you know uh, get get in the news or anything like that. I want to be able to build bridges and move things forward as quickly as possible, uh, so that you have a better city to live in uh, and that you have a uh, expectations being met uh, for the tax dollars that you that you generously provide to the city of Hernando. Ben, thank you again for coming in. We do appreciate you giving your time and coming in this morning, and I uh, just wish you good luck. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me today. Thank you again to Ben Piper for coming in and visiting with us about his plans or hopefully his vision for the Alderman seat for Ward 6. That's right, Matt. We do appreciate, I do appreciate Ben coming in and sitting down with me uh, and, and giving his time and uh, a morning earlier this week to sit down and do that. So we just wish good luck to Ben. Uh, then, of course, you had Ryan Diffie in a little later that same day, uh, sat down with Ryan and interviewed him. And so, um, again, he has his vision. I thought he did a pretty good job expressing it. And so we'll go to that interview now. We are joined this afternoon by Ryan Diffie, a candidate for Alderman for Ward 6 here in the city of Hernando in a runoff on Tuesday, April 27th. Ryan, good to see you again. 
Good afternoon, Matt. Thanks for having me in again. Well, it's our pleasure. Thanks for coming on the UTW podcast. We like to think we're a big part of the elections in the, in the last you know eight weeks and, and had an opportunity to sit down with all the different candidates. So uh, glad to be with you for a second time. First thing, let's revisit our uh, sit down about six weeks ago. What brought you to Hernando, Mississippi? That's a good question, Matt. Like I explained in the last podcast, Stephanie and I lived in South Haven. I was born and raised in South Haven. At the time, we had two younger girls and South Haven where we were living in Carriage Hills was becoming a lot of rental properties and that you look up and everything became rental and we really wanted to get away from that and Hernando provides a community where there's not so many rentals. How, how long ago was that? Uh, that was 2007. Just wanted to get down here to provide, you know, with two young daughters growing and getting older and then looking to expand the family. We just wanted to, you know, a little bit safer community to raise them. Second question on the last podcast was give a little bit of work experience and what you currently do. Do that for me. Some of the listeners may be new to the podcast or maybe didn't listen to the last one. Just catch us up there. A little bit of work experience in the past and what you're currently doing. Yeah, Matt, I was, I've been in the uh, auto body industry for about 30 years, right about at 30 years. When I was about 18, I got into it, started painting and uh, Chuck Hutton, and then I went from Chuck Hutton Chevrolet to Millennium Painting Body in Horn Lake, uh, worked there for about four or five years, and then was offered a position in sales, and so I did sales, outside sales for about 10 years, and then lost that job due to some unforeseen circumstances, and then uh, after a lot of prayer, uh, Stephanie and I just felt like the Lord was leading us to open up our own small business, which if you would have told me that years ago, I'd have said, there's no way I'm going to ever open up or have a small business of my own. But of course the Lord knows better than you do. And the name of that business is what, Ryan? It is a uh, benchmark auto body and we're located at 280 East South street. So been a business owner in Hernando for how long? Six years. Six years now. Gotcha. Yes, well, sir. We're, we're going to move into some of the new questions. We had talked about going a little bit deeper with you and Ben about the alderman position, a little bit deeper about what it's been like for the last, you know, almost three months now that you've been working so hard. So let, we'll begin with this. What were your thoughts when you found out you would be in a runoff that particular night? To be honest, I really, I read the ticket wrong, the numbers wrong, and I thought Mr. Piper had won, and I was, I was completely at peace with it. Sure. Because I, I just had, didn't have a disappointment feeling or anything. I just, I've always prayed since we started this or even before we ran that it'd be the Lord's will. You know, he, he's got the, he has the door open just like in the small business. You know, he can close the door anytime. You know, so I, I really walked away having a peace. And then Mr. Piper came up and said, well, three more weeks, it's a runoff. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, man, let's go. I'm ready. Let's, right. you know, let's just, let's go. So it was let's a bit go of, win this thing. Right. It was a bit of excitement just because you knew you had, most people would feel like the runoff, they would think to themselves, man, could be, could be a drag. But for you, you were excited about it because oh, you, you was, went from three candidates. Again, Mr. Bellflower, Adele Bellflower, the other third candidate was eliminated that, that night. And then so the last three weeks has been you and Ben. Yeah. As soon as I found out that it was runoff, I mean, and I was excited all the way up till April 6th. But it's kind of like, and I've explained to other people, it's kind of like being in overtime in a football game. Sure. You know, the first four quarters are great, but you get that out of overtime and everything's a little bit faster pace and moving faster. It gets, there's just more excitement to it. And I mean, I've been loving it. I've been enjoying it, doing it day to day, doing our work schedule and then trying to fit in, knocking doors and meeting people, you know, afterwards. But yeah, I've been, I've been pumped up about it. Well, talk to me about this. How have the last two weeks been knowing that the other races are over 
and you guys are still in it. What's it been like doing that? Let me back up a little bit real quick. You mentioned Mr. Bellflower. Um, great man, you know, great guy, great Christian guy. Um, I reached out to him that night afterwards just to, you know, just to kind of tell him, hey, man, you ran an awesome race. You ran a hard race. You keep your head up. You know, I know you put in some hours. Just don't let it get you down. And uh, he mentioned that he had already called Ben to congratulate him. And I said, congratulate him. I said, there's a runoff. He said, between you and Ben? I said, yes, sir. He said, Ryan, I'm behind you 100%. I said, I didn't even have to ask for support. He just he just automatically gave, gave it to us, which is a blessing in itself. He came by the shop a couple of days to visit with Stephanie and I and everything. So I'm very blessed to have his endorsement behind us. So, look, well, based on the results, I mean, obviously, again, the, the election on April 6th, there will be a new mayor here in the city of Fernando. There will be a new board. So, based on those results, what do you think the citizens of Fernando and your ward are wanting to see from the city? They're wanting to see progress. They're wanting to see something done. They're just tired of all the, the talk of what we're going to do. And, you know, they're just ready to move forward with the feeling that I get from the citizens. You know, they're wanting smart growth. You know, they're not looking for these developments that have rentals included. You know, they're not looking for the big box shop. They're looking for small town, small businesses and, and, and nice communities to raise our kids. You know, that's, that's what people in Hernando are looking for. And that's what I'm going to fight for to keep, you know, for the years to come had an opportunity the other day to talk to a gentleman and he mentioned some things about fixing this and fixing that. I said, well, let's slow down. We, we do live in Hernando, Mississippi, which is a wonderful, awesome town already. So that's something we maybe during politics, we kind of forget about. Right. And you know, and I mentioned, um, Stephen and I have two older daughters, but we have five kids total. So, you know, we have three little ones and, uh, the two older ones, they're, you know, they're up and grown and one's married and doing great. But for the three little ones that have been grow, you know, will be growing up here, you know, they come to the shop and they, they love coming there and pretending like they're working, you know? And so I want to see them be able to grow up in a safe community, small town community. So like you said in the last interview and definitely this one, been knocking on some doors, going door to door, seeing what's going on in Ward 6. In going door to door over the last uh, almost three months, like 75 plus days, is there one particular question or issue that keeps coming up from the residents of Ward 6? Some of the developments, the Madison Lakes keeps coming up for our ward because it's right there in the middle of it. So that keeps coming up. People want to know what it's going to be about, how many homes are in there. Is it going to have rentals? Is it going to have retail? Is it going to have hotels? You know, that's a concern for a lot of them. Roads, roads are another concern. I know that's everybody that comes through Hernando. You know, whether you live in the city or live in the county, you're still coming through Hernando. So roads need to be taken care of. So Ryan, win or lose, I know you well enough to know you would be pulling for whoever wins the Ward 6 Alderman seat. You'll be cheering them on and glad to work with them as best you can. What do you think you'll take away from the experience of running for Alderman? There's a lot that I'll take away or one or two main things is, you know, just going door knocking, getting out in the community and just meeting the citizens, the residents, your neighbors has been just joyful for me. I mean, I, I can have a, I never say I have a bad day because I don't have bad days. I have I have really good days or great days, but there's days that just don't go the way I think they might go or sure. I think they should go. Like I said, not necessarily bad days, but like yesterday was one of those. I leave the shop about 6 o'clock that evening, yesterday evening, and I go out and start door knocking, and I come across a lady, and she's smiling from ear to ear saying, I hope you're Mr. Diffie. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, I am. And I just I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that just to keep 
my momentum, my, you know, just, just my momentum going, I guess. Uh, but just getting out in the community, meeting and greeting the citizens. I mean, we have so many neat and special citizens in, in Hernando. Then they're kind of a hidden treasure. I mean, I've come across several widows, you know, and I've given my personal cell phone number, and I've, I'm just, you know, outside of the politics, not trying to get a vote from them, just let them know, here's my cell phone. If you need anything, call me or my wife. We'll run to this grocery store. We'll do whatever for you, you know. So I'll take that away as trying to help and serve the community in that way. Well, last time we did our interview, we kind of said, hey, if you were to meet me at the grocery store or have a few minutes with me, how, what would how would you sell yourself or your spiel, per se, um, you know, to me as a voter for Ward 6? So we'll do something in a little bit different way. Summarize what you want the voters in Ward 6 to know about how you would represent them as their alderman. I would represent them with transparency and just trying to build the community and just really sit down, you know, make myself available for the citizens of Ward 6. Maybe focus on, like, town hall meetings. You know, I don't know what that looks like exactly. I don't know if that's every once a quarter or whatever. You know, just to inform the residents of items that are coming down the pike that the city's looking at. You know, just it's not like a, something hidden. They need to know about it ahead of time instead of it being right on top of them and then them panicking. If we're talking about, you know, speaking of being transparent as a city, then we need to let the citizens know what's what they're looking at. Well, Ryan, thanks again for coming in for the runoff again Tuesday, April 27th. Thank you for answering a few more questions with us here on the UTW Podcast. Before we sign off, let the listeners know where they can find more about your candidacy. Yeah, they can find us on the website, servinghernando.com. They can also find us at fb.com slash servinghernando. That'll be the Facebook where, you know, we have a Facebook page as well. But before we leave, Matt, I would like just a little bit more just about our campaign. We are strictly self-funded. Stephanie and I have self-funded this whole campaign, have not accepted one dime from anybody, which means, you know, there's no, I've come with no strings attached. Some people have asked me, you know, what's your agenda? I don't have an agenda except for representing every citizen of Ward 6 and helping the city grow smartly. You know, I don't have any hidden agendas, no strings and we were talking about earlier about Mr. Bellflower and, and having support. We also have Mr. Tom Bradley, owner of a complete home center that is supporting us as well, has endorsed us. Local business. Yeah, exactly. Local small business. You know, I've talked to him and I've talked to other small business owners as well as the struggles of trying to get into a building or get opened up, trying to, you know, start making some money and start you know their income process so i've talked to him and he's he's supporting us well ryan we appreciate you coming in again to utw podcast good luck to you tuesday april 27th if you live in ward six please get out and vote again we want to thank ryan diffie for coming in and and kind of going uh talking with Matt and sitting down and just really his vision for what he would like to see Hernando to be uh, if he were elected for the alderman award six uh one thing before we close out the show we do want to say hey look if you're in Ward 6, get out and vote. Uh, 556 people voted last time. We really, 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 you know, don't want this determined by 100 people. Get out there and vote, uh, you know, and if you did not vote last time, it does not matter. 
uh, you know, you did not have to vote last time to vote this time. So maybe you were forgot to absentee, you were out of town, maybe you forgot, maybe you got there, the line was too long, you didn't want to worry about the parking. I don't think that's going to be an issue this time. There's going to be only one uh, election <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, this is Ward 6 up there at Fire Station number 2 on Highway 51. So please get out and vote. Uh, you know, Don't let this again. Don't let your ward be decided by a handful of people. Let's get as many out there and so they can feel good about the people that elected them and, and move forward with that. Yeah, good luck to Ben and Ryan on Tuesday. They've worked really hard over the last 75, 80 days uh, getting ready for this election. Good luck to both of them. Well, if you enjoy what you hear each and every Tuesday and Friday, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. want to remind you to subscribe wherever you hear our voice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review. The five-star review simply helps us move up the notch there on our podcast provider. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. Reminder to the UTW Podcast listeners to find OB Pod, our brother podcast covering Olive Branch and the eastern side of DeSoto County. Again, that's OB Pod. Those guys work really hard. They release their shows right around Monday mornings and just fill a really good show all about Olive Branch and the eastern side of DeSoto County. Derek, we're going to continue to remind our listeners about the Water Tower Sessions. Our first Water Tower Sessions, which is a singer-songwriter event, will be taking place at the Panola Courtyard on Friday, May 14th. That's going to be the Friday night before a fair, Friday, May 14th, singer-songwriter night, bringing the arts to Hernando. Please look on our Facebook page for a link. Look on our Facebook page to find more information about Water Tower Sessions. That is a partnership between Rooster Production, mine and Derek's production company, and Mississippi Music. That's Mississippi Music that we're working so hard for. Three gentlemen are going to come out and share their stories that night on a singer-songwriter opportunity. Gates will open at 7.30. The show will start right around 8 o'clock. So right as the sun sets, we're going to kick off an amazing night in Hernando the Friday night before a fair. Well, Derek, what a fun show. Got to talk about young people, talk about baseball, softball, a lot of shout-out. Somebody signed for a scholarship, and then we had an interview for two gentlemen that are vying for the spot, Alderman Ward 6. Thank you to Ryan Diffie. Thank you to Ben Piper for coming in and visiting with us, and thank you to all the candidates that put themselves out there to run for Alderman, mayor of this wonderful city we call Hernando. Well, Derek, if that's it, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the Water Tower. Dropped off a pretty little girl